This episode of Solar Stories is produced by Mouth Media Network and presented by Solar. I'm not a blogger, but like I love taking pictures and meeting women. And I found that the influencer community, content creators, entrepreneurs, uh, bloggers, they are the exact type of individual I want to surround myself with. They are motivated. They probably have another job and this is their side hustle. And if it's their real hustle, they're doing so much. They're creative. They're just wonderful people. I was like, that's a genius idea. Why didn't I do that? That's where I'll find friends. Because when I first came here, I went to networking events. I went to meetups. I just found people wanted something from you, and I didn't like that. Um, when all I wanted to do was make genuine connections. And that's kind of the basis of how Exclusively Social was formed. And secretly, I just wanted a whole group of girls to hang out with and be <laughs> friends. So I was like, I'll make my own group of friends here. <laughs> If you're Haley Finley, a consultant who helps small brands build and empowers influencers to build their personal brands, 100,000 followers on Instagram is within reach, and it hasn't taken her long to get there. Coming up, you'll hear how Haley's very early connections with top social media players led to a successful business, and why she, despite looking and acting a lot like an influencer, does not see herself as one. I'm George Manley, and you can find Haley on Instagram at Haley.Finley and her journey on this episode of Solar Stories, The Art of Influence. Haley Finley, welcome. Thank you. Thank How are you, you for I'm excellent. Thank you for doing an episode of Solar Stories with us. I would love to know more about Everything that I currently know about you, and I'm sure it's very little compared to what you could potentially share with us. So you have a personal brand, uh, which is very successful. You have a women's empowerment nonprofit side that I'd like to hear a lot more about. And you've got this awesome uh, consulting agency where you've been working with primarily which which product vertical? Um, so I actually work uh, with many different brands. Um, that are in different industries. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not niche specific, which is actually opposite of what I usually teach. I like to teach to be niche. Um, however, I find that with, with working with brands, they all want the same thing. At the end of the day, they all want more views. They all want to get in front of their target audience or they want to increase sales or brand awareness. Um, so with that said, my strategies that I've come up with to help that um, and get them to their goal are usually relatively the same which is why I don't have a niche or, you know, when you say you're, you're the brand that you work with or the industry, it kind of ranges. Got it. Got it. So there aren't any brands in particular or any segments that you seek out. It's more when opportunities come to you, you evaluate them and decide if it's something that you think you can add value to. Absolutely. I will say though that the niche or the audience that I work with, they tend to be entrepreneur, startup, um, and small to medium-sized businesses. I find that I can add the most value and the most impact to that, um, which I really like. Yeah. And then those, so those strategies for growth, are they, are they focused on digital? Are they um, in-person like events? Are they all of the above? Um, I would say it's really all of the above. It's an integrative combination, if you will, of in-person, of digital um, with the shift in the market for the generations, millennials, 
um, and then moving into Generation Z, both groups technically want experiences that are different. They want um, user generated content that it's created differently. They want other experiences that are different from each other. Um, so I blend a bunch of different strategies that are digital um, as well as in person. My background is event planning. So I do love to go to the experiential events, if you will. <laughs> and uh, um, of course, myself as an influencer or a woman of influence, I do incorporate influencers and bloggers in my strategies as well. So you said, I thought of like three great questions <laughs> great. on everything you just said. Um, well, first of all, I just like to ask, so what, I mean, you talked a little bit quickly about your background in event planning, but what, what makes you good at this? What makes you an authority in this space? Like, why would I come to you if I was a customer? That's always a great question. And I find that brands, they ask that, or at least I encourage them to ask that um, because there's so many people pitching themselves today. Um, there's a lot of people that are very, very talented, especially with the newer generation coming up and they are growing up in the digital age, right? So they have so much experience. Um, for myself particularly, I've worked with several different brands. And so I have had the luxury and the opportunity to have been given a chance early on. A couple brands, I pitched myself, they bought into me, not really what I had to offer in the very beginning, which I find a lot of people buy into the person because the person is what 100%. drives Right, they're the they're the driving factor of something successful or not. Right. At the end of the day, a lot of the strategies are the same. So it's the person again. Um, so I got you know uh, my foot in the door at an early age, basically with a couple different brands, and then moving forward, I pitch myself. Um, I'm dedicated. Um, I go above and beyond for my client, and I have the credibility of who I've worked with in the past to back it up. On top of that. Um, I also have grown my social media platform as well. So I can point to that and say, look what I've done with myself. Um, not everyone to be successful at digital strategy has to have a successful Instagram or a successful blog. Um, there's many creative minds that don't have that, but I find that it does help um, and it sets me apart from others. So... I imagine that's part of your strategy when you're helping people grow their own personal brands. You talk to them about how they can develop their online audience. So what are your tricks? I mean, it seems like you've, you're, you're close to what, like a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. I'm growing there. Um, it was my goal. Actually, I said it back in, I think February, I wanted to be at a hundred thousand before the end of the year. So I'm hoping I'm almost there. Um, I think I'll get there. Which yeah, is but how did you do that so quickly? <laughs> Everybody wants to know. Like. Absolutely. Um, so there's – I'm giving you guys a very exclusive tips here. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like there's almost like a um, an underground kind of strategy for influencing, if you will. Um, and I think it could go across all platforms. Um, and there's several different techniques that I've used um, that work extremely well. Um, and – you know, I'm all about sharing information, bringing value to the community. Um, even the influencer community and brand community is small. Um, I give my strategies to my clients. Um, and I find that a lot of influencers are kind of hush-hush about it, which bothers me, which is why I love an opportunity like this to share. Um, but a couple of the main strategies that You're I've welcome. used. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, a couple of the main strategies that I've used um, have been – one, it's in my women's community, we we stress this all the time. It's um, collaboration over competition. That's kind of our go-to tagline. And I'll tell you that the way I got to 10,000 
was because I had 10 different of my friends. They all were 8,000, 20,000, however many followers they had. And we would always, we were you know, 21, <laughs> we were always going out. We were always tagging each other. Um, and that grew my account enormously um, up until 10K. Once you get to 10,000, I think that's your hardest mark. Mm -hmm. After that, it kind of takes a life of its own in mm -hmm. a slower manner. The as next, long as you're continuously populating as it, long as you're, it's relevant. Yeah. That's the other thing is you. I post every single day. You must create high-quality content. You must post every single day. There's tips of hashtags of which ones to use. Um, you know, you need to post relevant hashtags. If I'm standing in New York – um, and Times Square, and I'm tagging Vogue Australia, which I've done before, because I'm like, I want Vogue Australia to see me. That doesn't work. My hashtag is not relevant. With the new algorithm, it picks it up, and it needs to be relevant. Um, oh, so it won't even, like, spread that? I mean, it, it does, but it, it the way they've done it now is you it needs to be relevant to the photo. If there's a car in it, hashtag car, <laughs> essentially, oh, is what it is. Okay. Um, there's other techniques as far as your bio. You know, we've put hashtags in the bio. I put travel entrepreneur in my at the top with my name. So when someone searches me in travel or entrepreneur, that will come up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, what I preach to is no one cares about me, essentially online. No one cares about you. No one cares about the next influencer. Why is someone following you? They follow me for travel. They follow me for business tips. They po follow me for women's empowerment and what I do in my day-to-day. -day. Um, in the beginning for people just starting out, you want to create an online magazine, if you will. Um, that's kind of what I tell people. What's your niche? Niche down. Create a space that is really your online portfolio, online magazine um, that inspires people, that educates. Do it yourself, tips, tricks, whatever it is. Then when you get to 50,000 and more, people start to care a little bit more about the influencer themselves. Um, another great, great way to grow within Instagram guidelines um, and rather quickly are giveaways. Um, I find that it's kind of taking it's – it's becoming more mainstream, um, but giveaways are an incredible source to harness other – individuals, uh, whether they're brands or influencers, harness their following and collectively join together, which actually goes back to my first uh, collaboration over competition. Um, and so sharing people's different communities to grow yours is a huge factor. So if we go back to that. I gave you a lot there. <laughs> yeah, you did. I know. Um, if we go back to you being a 20-year-old, 21-year-old running around mm -hmm. having fun, uh, with all your gals. Mm -hmm. Mind um, you, we were running around Las Vegas too, which is really fun. Is that where you grew up? <laughs> no, I'm from Oregon, but I went to UNLV for my event planning hospitality. Got it. And um, traveled and went to school and, you know, so 21 in Vegas was really fun. Oh <laughs> Let me just yeah. say, my poor parents. <laughs> so at that time, were you thinking to myself, like, I want to have a big online following and that's important to me? And so those strategies with you and all your friends tagging each other, was it just for fun? Or were you saying, one day I'm going to monetize this, this audience? So it's funny you actually bring that up because I've said that many times. I never wanted to be an influencer. I never cared to be an influencer. I, to this day, don't even consider myself an influencer. I like to consider myself a woman of influence. Right. Um, because I'm an entrepreneur and I am a businesswoman first. 
And uh, I love taking cute pictures and I love being cute, you know, in my outfits and whatever. So I was like, oh, this pairs very nicely. Um, and it started to gain traction. So I kind of ran with it. But in the beginning, no, I had I had no idea. I didn't, you know, I didn't go to school for social media strategy. Um, I went to school for event planning. And uh, I think it was when I was 21, probably six months out of college, I was bored. Um, and I was working and it was the first time I had no internship, no other job, um, you know, no schoolwork, no sorority. So I was bored. Um, and I developed my first business, which was like a men's custom clothing business. <laughs> oh, no way. What yeah. was that? Um, it was just, it was called Finzac <laughs> and it was custom suits, tuxedos, the whole thing, um, to this day, I still do it for like friends' weddings and stuff, but I it's not really active. Um, through that business, I realized <laughs> I, I know it's it's such a different. Yeah, but what I mean, that's like <laughs> such a random. I mean, I used to want to go. So my dream before event planning was I wanted to go to Parsons in mm -hmm, New York and mm -hmm. do fashion design. Um, I love working with. Um, I guess I would say I love working with men and styling with men because I feel like one, they're more decisive when buying, so it's just that much easier. Two, I figured everyone needs a suit at some point. And three, I was in this industry in Vegas that was very focused on your appearance. Mm -hmm. um, every nightclub host, every casino host, every restaurant manager has to wear a suit. Are they making finance money in New York or big, you know, whatever CEO founder money? No, they are not making that and they still have to look like they are. So I developed a model that brought the suits to you. It was custom. Uh, they didn't sacrifice quality and they got it for a great price. So it worked. I realized I'm a micromanager and a perfectionist and it gave me anxiety to um, measure suits. But what I found through that is I, my love and my talent for business development, social strategy, creative marketing. And that's kind of where I fell into what I do today is because of that. Um, and I just, I figured, well, I don't want to do suits. I just want to help entrepreneurs grow their business, not my own business. <laughs> and then I started consulting. Um, what, what year was that that you were doing the suits? I was doing the suits in, well, now you're going to know my age unless you already <laughs> do. Um, I think I was doing that in 2013, moving in 2014. Okay. Because my third business mm -hmm. was a men's custom suit Was business. it really? That's, that's why you're laughing over there. I'm yeah, like, what, do yeah. you want a suit or something? <laughs> it was called well, – I actually interviewed – have you ever heard of Tom James? Yeah, I have. Yeah. They're the largest – like they're a $400 million company and they're the largest yeah. custom suit. They have like 2,000 sales reps and they'll come oh, to your yeah. office. And... I went – I remember studying them. That wasn't my business, by the no, way. No, no, no. I remember studying them just to see like how do you – grow in that yeah. business um, because in New York specifically, oh my gosh, that's why I moved to New York because um, yep. I had my suit company yep. and my consulting business and, and New York's great for that. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I I couldn't, I would measure someone, they would leave and then the suit always came out perfect, but for days I'd be like, oh my God, did I measure him right? I don't know. And it was just horrible <laughs> for me. Um, so who trained you? How did you get trained in I tailoring? I trained myself. Um, I learned how to measure and read about it, practiced on my friends. Yeah. And the first couple ones came out really bad. <laughs> so I ate the cost and they're like, it's fine because it was free. So they didn't care. Yeah. Um, and then at that point, I was like, I should probably just go to a tailor and say, hey, here's 50 bucks. Please t teach me <laughs> how right. to measure. Right. And they did. Um, and I was pretty on point. Was he but... Italian, I hope? 
He was not Italian. No, he <laughs> was um, he was from China, um, but he was fantastic. Awesome. Um, you know, one of the things that was that I found interesting about that business um, was that, and this sort of segues into other things that you're now doing, is um, there were at the time, at least when I did it, which was probably 15 years ago, there weren't any um, women's products in that space. Right. Like we only had books for men's suitings. If we had a female executive that wanted a custom suit, we didn't have that as an option. Right. Um, I mean, and it's now a that's great market, it, right? And now, like Tom James offers that uh, that service as well. But isn't it crazy that like it, it, you know, it's something that had to be thought up, and it was something that had to be pushed oh, in as absolutely. a absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I find you know that I I want to get into women's. Um, I find that men have to wear a suit at least in New York, or at least where I was in Vegas, um, for certain jobs. For me, the women's. I love my Zara suits. <laughs> Get them for sixty bucks, and they yeah. fit perfect. So to be profitable, you really you also have, have to, to have a, a, a perfect frame. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> you have to have the Zara <laughs> the, sizing the frame. Zara, well, Zara has a lot of sizes, but no, Zara <laughs> fits perfectly. So I found like my that perfect combination. So I was like, I'll never spend more than sixty dollars on a suit, right. and I don't have to wear a suit. Right. Um. And so it just wasn't a viable segment. But I, I find you know I was like, well, where's the women's stuff? <laughs> and of course, as a female empowerment, I'm like, well, what about us? <laughs> Um, but I never went that route. Coming up, you'll hear Haley talk about her women's empowerment initiatives. Follow the show on Instagram at solar underscore stories, and you can find more episodes of Solar Stories and learn more about solar at solar.com. I would love to talk with you about your, which personally to me, this is the most interesting thing that you do, um, your women's empowerment initiatives. Why is this something that you're interested in? Why is this something that you spend a lot of time and resources on? We actually attended an event that you had a few weeks ago that was really well attended. There were some brands there. Um, and I know that uh, it was one of your um, curated events, but I know that you know, this subject matter filtered into that evening as well. So tell me more about how you're focusing on that and how you're combining it with the other activities that you do. Sure. So I would say, you know, I'm not a crazy female activist in any way. I feel like when people say women's empowerment, I get some guys that roll their eyes, maybe because they're not female. <laughs> but um, really, I found that the way that I've become successful has been because of my my girlfriends, um, and just being supportive and being there for me in anything that I do. And they've been the backbone of just late nights, you know, breakups, anything under the stars that I thought maybe that would hold me back. Um, when I first moved to New York, I did not have a great group of friends. It was really hard for me to find kind of my niche of, of girls. I was so close with like 10 girls in Vegas, friends from Oregon. Um, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't find the group I wanted to cause I was stuck and I knew a lot of people in nightlife can't go to dinner at like 11 o'clock at night when I have to work in the morning. Um, and then I was stuck in more of a corporate feel and I, you know, also worked at Madison square garden when I first moved out here. So it was a lot of guys again. Um, and that wasn't women and who I wanted to spend my time really with. Um, and so it's funny because I actually, 
met my business partner for the Women's Empowerment Group. It's called Exclusively Social. That's Anna, right? It's Anna, yes. Anna. Oh, for, for two months, I called her Anna, and she never corrected <laughs> me. I'm like, come on, <laughs> Anna. Um, so I'm still fixing that. But, um, you know, she's told me, she's like, I love to meet up with bloggers and take pictures. And I was like, well, I'm not a blogger, but, like, I love taking pictures and meeting women. And I found that the influencer community, content creators, entrepreneurs, uh, bloggers, they are the exact type of individual I want to surround myself with. They are motivated. They probably have another job and this is their side hustle. And if it's their real hustle, they're doing so much. They're creative. They're just wonderful people. Um, hustle is the right word. The hustle is the right word for sure. And I was like, that's a genius idea. Why didn't I do that? That's where I'll find friends. Because when I first came here, I went to networking events. I went to meetups. I just found people wanted something from you and I didn't like that. Um, when all I wanted to do was make genuine connections. And that's kind of the basis of how Exclusively Social was formed. And secretly, I just wanted a whole group of girls to hang out with and be <laughs> friends. So I was like, I'll make my own group of friends here, um, which is kind of how it started. But going back to why, um, a lot of it is I was seeking and yearning for a community when I came here. Entrepreneurship is lonely. No matter how which way you put it, by definition, yeah, by definition, <laughs> starting out on your own, solo, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, with that in place, I was like, I want to. I can't build something on my own. I never did build anything on my own. It's I've never, even though entrepreneur is alone, like you just said, I've always had a community behind me supporting me. So, with that, and then my knowledge of my background with consulting, I figured I could offer a lot to women. Um, or any entrepreneur in general on how to build up their brand, how to gain successful brand partnerships. And also with working with brands, I know exactly what the brands are looking for. And so that's kind of where that started. I chose women because that's just a lot of influencers and bloggers. Um, but I do have a passion for women anything. My parents will say it's probably due to the fact that I went to an all-girls high school. I don't agree with that. But now I look back, I'm like, well, maybe because I taught a lot of women empowerment stuff there. Um, and I just, I find that, you know, I was in a men's clothing space and I shifted to women and I can't really point to a specific reason why. Although I do believe that, you know, we are all stronger in numbers. And I, my main thing is I love to teach and what better from a woman supporting another woman is kind of what I really love. But I love to teach. I love to inspire. I love to speak, which talk to me three years ago, I, w I would say I would cry in front of a stage. <laughs> so I've come a long way. So it seems like you feel more comfortable working around women. You feel more comfortable um, collaborating with women. Um, and... It also feels like by doing that, you're like fulfilling your own self. Like you, you, you feel better as a result of helping other people, but in this case, particularly women, because it's relatable for you, right? Yes. I would say that um, going to the point of feeling more comfortable of working with women, um, I'm equally comfortable with both. In fact, I actually prefer to work with uh Men and women, but preferably men uh, when oh, really? it comes – yes. When I mean, it on comes a professional to, basis, you mean? Of course. On a professional basis, I prefer to work with men, um, with brands because no matter which way you put it, and I'm – as a female, um, you know, some people might not agree with me, but I feel like men are more decisive 
when deciding something, um, a business decision. And when women, there are women that are decisive, but a lot of women like to think about it, maybe mule it over a little bit, sleep on it, and then come back. They have more questions sometimes. It's just, I mean, we have everyone in different personalities, but I find that men are quicker with deciding things and it just moves my business along much faster. Men are typically, speaking for myself, <laughs> more impulsive as well as a result. Which and is so fine for brands, right? When I'm yeah, on my side. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there is something very valuable in um I mean, almost my my entire team is 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 female. <laughs> but <laughs> because right. I, I feel that and this is not a judgment right. on anything you just said, but I feel like women um tend to be uh more thoughtful in you know to your point oh, like what you said they'll sleep they'll sleep on it <laughs> right. and typically i find um if you were to net everything out you end up with better results because there's more thought that went into it okay. um and uh and that's interesting though but you you like you like the fact that that men on the whole tend to be more decisive. You like that because it kind of puts that to bed and you get to move on to the next thing. Is that what it I is? I like or it because checking boxes. The kind guy of thing? will check the box, he'll check my list, he'll say yes, no, run with it. And then he doesn't need to be thoughtful. He's the one who decides. I'm hired to be thoughtful and to be the one that is that counterpart. And then I can I control the situation more, I find. And with an when I work for another woman, I guess I would say is the better uh, way to put position it. When I work for another woman, it's very collaborative. When I work for a uh, um, a position that's uh, male dominated, basically, I because they kind of hand client. me the reins yeah. and I get to do whatever I want. And I like that from a business side. From a leader side and wanting to work with others, I would. Pr- prefer to work on my team with women. I guess that's better put that way. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So going a little deeper in this, um, I heard you earlier talk about the differences quickly between the gen- Generation Y and Generation Z. And mm-hmm. you said that there's some um, different things about how they like to approach their uh, business opportunities and you sort of frame them differently when they're clients. So focusing on this women's women's men's issue right <laughs> um and particularly women's empowerment with everything that's going on in our culture right now like right. me too and and all of these um uh these really difficult um subject matters between like sort of the the male female power dynamic right mm-hmm. um, particularly as it relates to work and professional settings um do you feel like there is um a connection between younger generations um, and the older generations and the way that they see the male-female power dynamic sort of setting up? Do you think maybe Generation Y or the millennials and Generation Z are a reason or a catalyst for why Me Too is a thing and some of the other things that are that are really dominating our public space right now? It's an interesting question, I would say. Um, I think that, so just, I guess, to start off mainly with the difference with the two groups, as far as a marketing standpoint Mm -hmm. and selling, um, the millennials, um, that I guess are generation Y, um, the millennials are focused on the social media. They want their friends to tell them what to buy. They want the credibility. They want brand loyalty. They're online. Um, 
and they are looking for, I guess, the validation when they want to purchase something. Um, and they want that somebody else has endorsed it. That is someone else has endorsed it. it. Hence the influencer industry, right. someone right. they trust. Um, and then they like the kind of pop-up experience and that kind of thing mm-hmm. because it feels like they're still tied to the community. Um, I would say the biggest difference from them to Generation Z, which is the newer generation, I find that brands are not focused on marketing towards them as much as they are towards the millennials. And I think it, it'll catch on in about two years and they'll really start to then focus on Generation Z. And some have. Um, but Generation Z... They've grown up in a time where, you know, they, we've had attacks on the U.S. and the Twin Towers were down, right? They've grown up in a time when we've always been at war on some level. Right. They've grown up in a time where the Me Too is, is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, which is interesting and what my favorite part, and it kind of leads back to the women's community, um, the best part about them is that they are looking to connect with brands and with each other in a collective manner. Um, They are looking to have a seamless user um, experience online when shopping. However, they will also go to the malls as an activity with their friends. Mm -hmm. And they will go to events um, with their friends or go shopping with their friends and go buy things and make an activity. They are still looking for that in-person connection. Um, They differ with millennials because they really don't care about the influencer, in my opinion, the influencer that's posted the perfect picture in Paris with, you know, a Gucci bag. Mm -hmm. They could care less. It's socially curated. They have, you know, fake Instagrams. They have their friends' Instagrams, which is called Finsta. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They like Snapchat because it's real. It's raw. And hence the rise of the micro-influencer and the Mm -hmm. nano-influencer because they're real, they're raw. And that's the main difference. Um, Generation Z, again, my favorite part is – they they truly want to be a part of the change or collectively shift the control and the power in the market or for other big issues going on like me too um or the gender gap issues right or the you know saving the world or issues with the environment um another point to them is i don't know it i don't know if it's kind of like the chicken and the egg, which one came first. Right. Um, I don't know if they are loving to kind of make this shift together and want to be a part of a bigger change because they know they can control it through social media or are they controlling it through social media without knowing it and hence loving it. That's that. I think that nailed it. Yeah. That's (laughs) what it feels like to me, to me, Gen, Gen Z feels like, they think they're the product and it's almost like brands are pitching to them. Like I want you to have my things because you're cool. Whereas the millennials are more um, socially relevant among each other. And then that, that creates for a big like online voice that brands want to be a part of. Right. But it's a little bit more collaborative where influencers are inspiring people and brands are saying you're interesting. So I want you to, you know, endorse my brand as well. Hopefully there's payment involved in that. To your point, the reason micro influencers are so interesting is because there aren't payments involved in a lot of those. And they're just simply saying, I think this is cool and you should too. And here's why. And people believe in that authenticity. They do. That's a hundred percent that. I will say from a brand perspective, and this goes a little opposite, but for the brand perspective, I don't agree with a lot of the trade 
to influencers um, or micro or nano or whoever because they can't control their brand message as strongly. Right. Um, so when I have brands, I urge them to at least have some type of payment or if you don't have a contract. Right. It's not strength in numbers when you're gifting items. Right. It's you can't control the message. You don't know what they're going to post. You don't know if it's, um, you know, you you just don't know how it's going to uh, be represented online. I don't normally plug solar in these in these episodes, but this is one thing that that I and my team struggle with in building the solar product is that, you know, we're we're encouraging influencers to sign up and create an online store of their favorite things, right? Mm -hmm. But in doing so, they're essentially posting and recommending products for sale to their followers. And so in doing that, I worry about the authenticity factor there because no real influencer like yourself wants to push products on their followers. They don't want to be known as like, you know, uh, owning up to the man or whatever you want to call it. You know, it's like, it has to be authentic. If it's not authentic, real important professional influencers, I feel like don't want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I don't know, how would you recommend that if in any way at the moment, maybe you haven't thought of ideas cause you haven't really fully interacted with our product yet, but as a, as an influencer who, uh, is, is, has joined the solar community, like how, how can, how can we erase that? If not erase, but lessen that, um, uh, or, or great in that authenticity factor, right? I think you're authentic in the sense that I can pick and choose the products I want to promote. So it's not necessarily the brand, hey, on the side, do this, post this, write this message. I have full control and power of I like these Nike shoes or I like this belt or this sweater from Zara or whatever it is. So I have full authentic control of that. Right. And Nike's so, not paying you to recommend and that. And Nike's yeah. not paying that. So that is authenticity at its best. Um, the other thing that I would say to captivate Generation Z um, is what's your mission? What is you? What are you behind? Are you supporting a nonprofit with some of these proceeds that are a percentage for the influencer and a percentage for – uh, the brand, a percentage for solar, and a percentage for the greater good of the world. Um, that's how you'll get Generation Z on board, in my opinion. Awesome. So coming up, Haley is going to open her coffin. We're going to turn down the lights. We're going to light a candle. And uh, we are going to all talk about the deep, dark things in our heads. Okay, Haley. Um, so let's let's just kind of wrap up um a couple of quick thoughts i had about what we were just talking about because you were you were saying some really interesting things and um we were talking about endorsement and authenticity and things that were um uh you know really kind of difficult to 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 determine um now you don't like calling yourself an influencer um you like well, I mean, what would you call yourself? I mean, if you're not going to say influencer, what, what are you going to say? Creator, uh, inspirer? Um, I think there's many terms, social curator. Um, I don't even really like that. I consider myself a woman of influence, and I mainly consider myself a businesswoman with a social media following, I guess. <laughs> but But specifically, what do you think it is about what you're essentially recommending that connects with people. I mean, that's to me that's influence, right? That's Correct. inspiration. 
which is why a woman of influence is how I would position myself. I find that when you say I'm an influencer or I'm a blogger, people are like, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, it means X, Y, and Z, which is you know a list of what it could mean. It's not just I have an Instagram following. Um, as far as being a woman of influence and considering myself that, I find that I do use my platform to uplift, inspire, empower. Um, and so that is influencing. But it's not what you think when you say influencer to me. It means brands pay me or I think I have Got a great it. following or I'm going to post my sweater that I bought today. And it's kind of just boring and very oversaturated. I agree. Okay, good. So the authenticity factor is really important for you. Authenticity is very important. Um, back to your question about how I connect with my with my uh, audience is I don't, you know, I'm trying to shift my niche in a way. I've always been trying to shift it more from travel to business. I love traveling, so I hope it's still travel. That's why I say travel entrepreneur. Um, but a lot of people connect with me as far as business, women, and just wanting a positive daily interaction. It, it seems kind of where my um, audience is going. Do you ever get paid to travel? I have gotten paid to travel before, actually, yes. Yeah, I mean, because as somebody who loves to travel and wants to, you know, share that with other people so that they can get inspired and be as equally yes. as entertained by it as you are, how, how do you afford that if you're not? Yes. So I will tell you, though, my secret this year, I have a standby buddy pass with um, United Airlines. Oh, nice. Um, so I get standby flights for free if I get on, <laughs> right? Now, is there anything is you have to do for them? Know someone that works at the airport and they you know they give that to you wow, uh, if your family you. if your friend they yeah that's been meet, lucky this can year can i meet that person i know right <laughs> can <laughs> we invite them to be on the show year, maybe as a trade exactly <laughs> um but prior to that um i people always ask how i traveled and i'd rather not buy clothes i'd rather not even you know eat three meals a day or buy my shoes whatever it is i i made time to travel and i put my money towards it um i haven't leveraged the travel influencing as much as I should have, except for this year. And right. then next year I have plans. Um, I'm leading a retreat in Bali come January. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So basically it's bringing women of influence together, creating content um, and shifting into – you're shifting your mindset and your wellness into the new year. Um, so I can't come because I'm a man? You can totally come. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, Wait, that's not with Supercharge, is it? No, it's not, but I can't wait to bother Spencer about that. <laughs> well, Spencer is going to be on another episode. Uh, Wonderful. And so you, Plug may, me get, into you that. may get a chance to specifically <laughs> ask him, call I, him out. I absolutely will. Why wasn't I invited? <laughs> Actually, call him out right now. Hey, Spencer, um, founder at Supercharge, I want to know why I'm not invited to your influencer trips around the world. Maybe I don't have enough followers for him. <laughs> Spencer, if you don't invite her, we won't allow you on the show again. Yeah, Spencer. <laughs> um, but basically, I'll be hosting this um, uh, retreat in Bali, and I will be leveraging that to get free hotels and free almost everything in exchange for creating content for the brand. So I'm leveraging my personal connections and my personal page to allow a, a more cost-effective experience for the women that come on the trip. Right. Oh, very cool. To me, that – I mean, I'm not an influencer. Mm -hmm. I have a terrible – time and even pretending to have a social media presence. But right. um, to me, that seems like the most fun thing of being somebody like you is that you get to... If the brands to... say yes, and uh, that leads us back to our coffin, right? right? The death of the influencer, right. maybe that's coming. But um, 
I'm using, I'm leveraging my connections because I want to provide a better experience for others yeah. and make it more cost effective because nothing's without your girl gang, basically, which exactly. is <laughs> my term for my women's community. Very cool. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So speaking of your coffin. Yes. Um, I've got a question. Do I get lights you. in my coffin or anything? Uh, or like no. Any flowers? You're dead. you're dead. No electricity, nothing. Okay. It's, no flowers uh, either? You turn, turn to dust. No, awesome. you can have flowers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you were on death row. Yes. My wife and I play this game all the time. First of all, you're not married, right? No. Do you no. have a boyfriend? I do. Okay. Well, I don't want to offend him with this question, That's but you okay. have to answer it. <laughs> so if you're on death row, mm -hmm. I want to know three things. Yes. Who's the last person? It can be anybody in the world. Who's the last person you want to have sex with? Mm -hmm. What's the last meal you're going to eat? Mm -hmm. And what's the last movie you're going to watch? Um. So the movie one will, has changed. I think I'm going to say this one now because it's been prevalent, but I would definitely say Gladiator. And hence, since I'm dying on death row, he's dead. <laughs> you want to go out epic. with a fight? <laughs> no, I just want to go out like him and maybe we, we, can, we can – like the movie. I just think it was epic how he went. <laughs> it is a good movie. Um, and he was fighting for a long time. So hopefully I'll stay on death row longer than <laughs> assumed. But um, I would say that I would want to be intimate with my partner um, and my, my current boyfriend. Um if he stays with me on death row, I guess, right? Then <laughs> well, if he doesn't, he doesn't deserve that. If he doesn't, that then he doesn't, right? Exactly. Yeah, so I else. throw it back at him. If he stays with me, then fine. <laughs> um, and then the what was the other question? Uh, your last meal. My last and, meal. And and I want you to be specific, not just I'd have a hamburger, like where is the hamburger from? I don't really have a I wouldn't really have a meal. I'm obsessed with the sea salt and vinegar chips kettle, the brand from kettle <laughs> and the gluten-free one. So I'll eat like the, that bag. I can eat 20 bags. <laughs> Perfect. And then I like to have a side of lemons with everything and I'll eat those. So I'd like those. Yes, you lemons. You just eat lemons. I do. Whoa. Doesn't that like burn your mouth? Or? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it since I was young, but all my dark secrets are, are out in the open. Those are the two things and my friends will know me very well if my boyfriend brings me home chips and lemons and mango juice. So those are the things I would have. <laughs> Is your boyfriend an Insta husband? Is that what they call him? No, them? and I wish he was. And he's gotten great at taking pictures, but I find that the very successful influencers have a photographer Instagram husband. Right. That's the secret. Um, or you hire a photographer full time, hence you have to have money. So if you want to get around it, marry a photographer <laughs> and they will be perfect. Um, no, he he actually just got an Instagram probably three months ago. It's because I made him one and like a fake account and he took over. Um, are, so he's new to it. Are you giving him some tricks so he can build, a, build a following? Do you well, want Well, I don't want go? him to build a following. <laughs> Why not? Because You don't I want don't him to become want... popular? No. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Why? Because it takes the thunder away from you or, or no, he might get popular? No, girl and... wants her boyfriend on Instagram scrolling and like, no, he's not. It's private and he's not allowed to have well, more Well, friends. he's probably an <laughs> interesting guy, so he wouldn't be one of those shirtless idiots, right? He's in finance. Idiots, right? No, God, no, no, no. He's yeah. in finance. He's very serious. He would never do that. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Haley, finish my sentence. So since we were talking about your death, <laughs> um. Let's pretend for a second, I don't want to be morbid, but let's pretend for a second you just got diagnosed with terminal cancer and you got a year to live. Um, finish my sentence. Um, I have a year to live and I want to change the world in some way. So I'm going to. I'm going to pitch a hundred brands for 20,000 each. 
to sponsor or partner strategically on a experiential travel trip around the world. For with, you? For myself, of course. And uh, with a hand-picked 50 or 100 or however many I can of the most influential, spiritual, influencer, executive leaders, thought leaders, game changers, whatever you call them, um, to join me. And uh, we will on that trip travel around and strategize how to change the world as well as changing the world locally in each country we visit. And, of course, I will leverage my death and guilt trip a lot of people to come. <laughs> so then if you – when you die, you're later, you're saying all of those people that were on that trip with you can essentially carry forward with that strategy and, and you've, you've like created this, yeah, this growing I've, orb. I've, well, I love the orb. Um, I do – with Outstanding Too Cheesy, I do want to change the world and I find that it does start with raising the universe's vibration or humanity's vibration, if you will, um, collectively. I actually have that – in my bio, <laughs> about raising humanity's <laughs> vibration. I'm all about it. I love that. Um, but essentially, yeah, I mean, they can carry on the work. Um, bringing together the most influential minds in the world, I'm sure we'll come up with something. Um, and then, of course, the brands that have sponsored this, they will probably feel some type of personal connection or they'll right. feel bad after my death. And so then perhaps we will have <laughs> created those genuine connections, hence my women's community <laughs> and what we do. But we've created genuine connections between brands, mainly corporations that have the infrastructure to change the world, and then influential people. All right. That's great. All right. So we've we've created that opportunity. I'll make sure that we do it. Let me know if you Please. ever get that sort of diagnosis. Well, I'm going to pitch you anyways without <laughs> having to die. So, <laughs> Haley, um, one of the things that we always close with is a toast. Uh, we're drinking coffee because you were so gracious to join us first thing in the morning here for this recording. Um, but I would like to toast as a thank you for you coming and doing this with us. Um, and I would like to know what you would like to toast to. How would you like to sign off and, and sort of uh, tell our listeners um, one final thought? Sure. Um, holding my beautiful coffee mug up, <laughs> I guess I'd like to toast to – Changing the world one human at a time. Cheers. Um, Haley, your answer uh, to my last question was interesting because you talked about how on your death you would like to travel all around the world. And we noticed that in your, you know, in your Instagram profile you talk about being a travel entrepreneur. And so the question is really how are you going about – and maybe you can ask – right here on the mic for um, you can call out a company or, or someone who could potentially fund this opportunity. But how are you going about finding ways to travel more? The ways I'd like to travel more um, are endless. However, I'd like to backtrack first. And, and I did go to college um, for event planning. Uh -huh. um, and I also did consulting um, for how to host profitable retreats was my kind of tagline when I was consulting in the very beginning. Um, I mentioned earlier I am hosting a retreat for women of influence to bring them together in January. So I position myself as a travel entrepreneur because, one, I love to travel. And, two... I really find that travel brings your self, your soul, whatever you want to call it, back down to a reality, if you will. Um, we get so caught up in the day-to-day -day of materialistic items. And when I travel, I love going to very cultural places. I even love third world countries because I love being around people and being able to be in a position to help and also just being 
kind of shaken up a little bit from my normal surroundings. Uh, my goals are to, of course, um, change the world one human at a time, change the world one country at a time. But my biggest goal is to really take my women's community global. Um, I would like to, whether you, I'm not sure if you call it a press tour or however you do it, I haven't really thought of it, but I'd like to go around the world with a couple sponsored companies to fund that um, in partnerships and bring together women of influence or people of influence in general, talk about the topics we talked about today, and in every local community, um, we would be partnering with local brands and we would also be giving back to local communities. So say in India, we are giving back to artisans. Or in Australia, we're giving back to, uh, you know, animals. Whatever it is, that's kind of my goal. My dream companies to sponsor or partner would be American Express because I know they have a social impact tourism aspect to them, and that is huge for me. I'm going to go ahead and call out Spencer again at Supercharge <laughs> NYC. <laughs> Oh, he's definitely going <laughs> to listen to this episode. I bet. <laughs> well, I hope he does listen all the way through. Um, and then We love Spencer. <laughs> yeah. And I also would love Bumble as well because I've actually worked with them on several events in the past. And I think they would be a perfect fit, um, especially with the Bumble BFF and Bumble Biz. Um, so those are a couple brands that I really would love to work with. Um, there's a million of them that I'll call out though, but <laughs> all right. I'm going to shamelessly plug yeah. one of my other businesses Great. because I want to offer you. Oh, wait, I'm going to call it solar too. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about solar. <laughs> Just by being a part of the solar community, you're going to add tremendous value to it. Um, so, uh, I have a house up in the Berkshires called the Taggart house. And yes. what I would love is, we do like yoga retreats and all that kind of stuff on the property. Um, I would love, and I'm happy to donate the house for a couple Fantastic. of nights for you to do this, but I think it would be great if you did like a women's empowerment retreat there. We would love that. So actually, thank you. First of all, it's fantastic. Um, it only sleeps 12 though. I don't know. How, big, okay. how big are your retreats typically? Um, you, I mean, I heard you say 50 and all this no, stuff. No, uh, retreats are usually 10 to 25. Okay. Um, perfect. But if it sleeps 12, usually two to a room, and that's kind of how we do it, so it's perfect. It'll be more intimate, just like this experience is right now with the well, lights out and the candle and the coffin. Yeah, exactly. No <laughs> death there, though. Um, but how Exclusively Social um, started was because we wanted to host a Hamptons retreat, and it was content-focused. We worked with brands, um, so this is perfect because awesome. it's local, um, it's women, and it would be women empowerment, and likely would center around building um, a successful brand in the digital age. So cool. I would mm -hmm. love that. So Haley, thank you again for your time this morning. Um, I really appreciated this wonderful conversation with yes, you. Yes, me too. Um, thank you. And I would uh, love for our listeners to learn how they can uh, find you, follow you, um, and potentially collaborate with you if they want to work with you on some kind of uh, any one of your business ventures. Of course. I am 1,000% always open to collaboration, always thinking of new ideas. So I love that. I welcome any and all um, collaborative ideas. Uh, my main way of responding and finding me will be on Instagram. Um, and my handle is at Haley, H-A-L-E-Y dot Findlay, F-I-N-D-L-A-Y. It's just my first and last name with the dot in the middle. Excellent. Yep. Thank you again. Thank you. That's it for Solar Stories. Thank you so much for listening. Please come back next time for another great guest and another great story on the art and business of influence. I'm George Manley. This is where the story starts. We can't wait to hear yours.
Solar Stories is presented by Solar Inc. You can find more about solar at solar.com. Copyright 2019, Solar Inc., all rights reserved. Thank you for listening.